0: And I'm sure uh, this, this sermon title has been in the, bullet, in the um, bulletin and also on the website, and uh, I can imagine that some, some people who looked at that are try, is trying to figure out what is this all about, you know, lost or found. Or, uh, but this isn't primarily a salvation message. When I talk about your life being lost in this message, I'm not talking uh, specifically talking about unsaved, although we will talk some about that. I'm talking about your life as a believer is it lost or is it found? Is it, is it being... Are, are you wasting the, the life you have as a believer? Or are you fulfilling all that God wants you to do with your life? That's what we're going to talk about uh, this morning. In our Sunday school hour, if you were able to be here, we talked about spiritual strength. Uh, to, now we're going to talk about your life, lost or found. And tonight, I'm going to preach a message entitled, In His Presence. And we're going to talk about... Um, the, the, the things we need to know about being in the presence of the Lord throughout our lives so I, I thank you for coming turn with me if you would in your, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16 Matthew chapter 16 I was reading an article and it was entitled What Are Men Like and uh, before we read the scriptures I'll share this with you What Are Men Like and, and I can only imagine this was an article written by women I don't know But it's entitled, What Are Men Like? And the answers are, Men are like bank accounts. Without a lot of money, it's hard to generate any interest. (laughs) It also stated, Men are like commercials. You can't believe a thing they say. Men are like computers. They're hard to figure out, always going down, and never have enough memory. (laughs) Amen, someone said to that one. Men are like government bonds, someone wrote. They cost a lot of money up front and they take way too long to mature. Men are like lava lamps. They are fun to watch, but not very bright. (laughs) Men are like mascara, they run at the first sign of emotions men are like used cars they are easy to find cost more than they are worth and are totally unreliable and the last one is men are like weather hard to predict and impossible to change so uh, just a little warning men we don't want to fit into those categories if we can help it Figured I'd give the ladies a little time by taking a shot at the men. I took a shot at the ladies in the last hour so. Anyway, let's stand and get spiritual here. Matthew chapter 16. I'll begin reading at verse number 21, if you'll read along silently with me. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes, and be killed, and be raised again the third day. Then Peter took him, and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan, thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Let's pray. Our Father, we come before you now as simple men and women seeking to know your truth. And Lord, I I pray that as... I speak this morning. I pray that the words that I speak will be only those that you want me to speak. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will empower this message that each of us might open our hearts and examine the truth that we'll hear. Thank you for this time that we have together and thank you for all those that are here. I pray you'd bless the preaching of your word now for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What is life? And further, what is the meaning of life? These questions have been at the center of man's religious quest since the beginning of time. There have been many who have traveled the world seeking the answer to these questions. They have gone to all the greatest philosophers and sought to find the answer to this riddle. But alas, their efforts were in vain. For these questions can only be answered by the Lord. First this morning, I would like for us to look at the question, What is life? But before we can answer this question, we must realize that there are three distinct aspects of life that we must consider. There is the natural life of man, the spiritual life of man, and the eternal life of man. So to answer the question, what is life, we first must examine each of these three aspects. So first this morning, let us consider the natural life of man. Now by the natural life of man, we are referring to our human birth. Being born of our mothers and our fathers, this would constitute the natural life of man. Now there are there are very distinct characteristics of this natural life, and I'd like to discuss each one of those with you briefly. First we see that the natural life of man, letter A, it is vain. Solomon in Ecclesiastes chapter six writes for who knoweth what is good for man in this life all the days of his vain life which he spendeth as a shadow. For who can tell a man what shall be after him under the sun? I said that the natural life of man is a vain life. It's an empty life. The natural life ends in destruction. There is nothing good found in the natural life of man. Paul writes in Romans chapter 7 and verse 18, For I know that in me, that is, in my flesh... Dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. Now, as we consider our life today, whether it be lost or whether it be found, let us remember that the natural life, the carnal life, if you will, is vain. But not only is it vain, but secondly, it is limited it is limited in john i'm sorry in job chapter 14 in verse 5 we read seeing his days are determined the number of his months are with thee thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass i said the natural life is limited we have only a limited amount of time i often tell my, my high school teen, high school students and this is a very true philosophical point and that is we begin dying the moment we are born. Men are destined to die. Natural man will die. And the moment we're born we begin to die. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? Realizing that this life that we have on this earth is not eternal, it's limited. Try as we might, and there have been many that have tried, there are some that are trying, we all must die. I've heard stories of men who have already paid money to have their bodies frozen so that uh, when the cure for their disease is found, they can be revived and, and brought back to life. We all heard the stories of of, uh, of, the, of the fountain of youth and the search for that. But alas, in Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 27, we read, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this, the judgment, all men will die. No man born of woman shall live eternally. This natural life is limited. But thirdly, I want you to notice that this natural life is brief. In James chapter 4 and verse 14, we read, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. In, 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 in respect to all of time, your life, James says, is like steam. You ever watch steam come out of a pot? It doesn't last very long, does it? Comes out of the pot and disappears. And that's how our life, our natural life is the same way. It's it's, it's just like steam. It's, It's a vapor. James says it's here and gone in respect to all of time. Fourthly, we see this natural life, it is fraught with trouble. And... Job chapter fourteen and verse one, we read, "Man that is born of a woman is a few days, and full of trouble." In Proverbs chapter thirteen and verse fifteen, we read, "Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard." And this natural life is is a hard life. It's filled with sickness. It's filled with disease death trouble problems the natural life from the description we've given doesn't seem to be a very attractive life does it? it it wouldn't seem it would seem to me that understanding the truth of the word of god the natural life is not something one would desire to keep I mean, why would we? It ends in destruction. It's full of trouble. It's brief. It's limited. It's vain. It's empty. It, it comes to nothing. And if this is the only life we had hope of this morning, then we would be most miserable among all men. But that's, this is not the only life that is available to men today. Because secondly, we have the spiritual life of man. Now let me share some thoughts with you concerning the spiritual life as we consider our lives today. First of all, the spiritual life of man is authored by Jesus Christ. In Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 2 we read, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is the author of our faith. Not only is he the author of our faith, but he's the finisher of our faith, too. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. But not only is our spiritual life authored by Jesus Christ, but secondly, our spiritual life begins at salvation. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, we read, Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless a man is born again, unless he's saved, he is doomed to the natural life. He cannot see the kingdom of God. Not only can he not enter the kingdom, he won't even be able to see it. The kingdom of God is described in scripture as such a beautiful thing. Yet the natural life, men who remain in in, in the natural life won't even be able to see it. Won't even be able to see it. It's a sad thought. But the spiritual life is authored by Jesus. It begins at salvation. But then thirdly, the spiritual life is sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 13, we read, But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now there's so much doctrine locked into this one verse, and I don't have time to expound upon this verse. We see we see everything there is to know in this one verse. But the point I want to make is that you and I, in our spiritual life, our spiritual life is sanctified. It's, it's set apart by the Holy Spirit of God. And then fourthly concerning the spiritual life, I want us to see that it's dedicated to glorify the Father. This spiritual life is a life that is dedicated to to the glory of God. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, we read in verses 19 and 20, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. This, This spiritual life is is a life authored by Christ. It, it, it begins at salvation. It's a life that's been sanctified by the Holy Spirit. It's been set apart and dedicated to the glory of God the Father. Now, unlike the natural life, this, this life is, 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 a, is separate. It's, it's set apart only for those whom God has called. This morning, if you sit here and you are still in the natural life, you need to look unto the the Lord. You need to listen for the call of Christ unto unto the spiritual life. But then thirdly this morning, the third aspect of life we must consider before we can determine if our life be lost or found is the eternal life of man. Now, the eternal life is a gift of God. We know this. I'm not teaching you anything new today. I'm just reminding you of some things. The eternal life of man is a gift from God. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 23, we read, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a gift you ever seen the advertisements on these shop at home networks or or one of these these short 30 second infomercials and it's flashing up on the screen it says not available in stores. You ever seen that? How many of you have seen that? Raise your hand so I know I'm not. Okay there you go. Not available in stores. Well as we talk about eternal life we should be flashing that image. Not available in In stores. See, because you cannot buy eternal life. All the money in the world cannot purchase eternal life. It is a gift, it is God's to give to whomsoever God chooses to give it. We can't negotiate it, we can't bargain with God for it, we can't decide to take it. It is a gift. God himself delivers it to us. And there's only one way to get this gift, and that's letter B. It is through Christ the Lord. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 11, we read, And this is the record that God hath given to us, eternal life. And this life is in his Son. In John chapter 14, and verse 6, Jesus saith unto them... I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So it's a gift, and it's, it's, it's through Christ the Lord. But then thirdly, it is the promise of the Father. Eternal life is a, is a promise of God. In Titus chapter 1 and verse 2, we read, "In hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. And God always keeps his promises. In Numbers chapter 23 and verse 19, we read, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? So I said it's a promise of the Father, but it's not promised to all. It's promised to those that God has called. It's promised to those that God has chosen. It's promised to the elect saint of God. And letter D, it is assured for the elect. In 1 John chapter 5 and verse 13, we read, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. Now alas, not all men have spiritual or eternal life. If you are here this morning and you do not know Christ as your Savior, then you only have natural life. And the only life you will have after this life is one of eternal damnation. In John chapter 3, we read, The Father loveth the Son, and hath given all things into his hand. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Do you hear the voice of Christ calling unto you today? Do you feel the drawing of the Holy Spirit on your soul this morning? Paul tells us in Romans chapter 10, But what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart. That is the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So to answer our question this morning, what is life? We see that there are three aspects of life. Natural life, spiritual life, and eternal life. And these must be considered. But then, we want to consider the second question. And that question is, what is the meaning of life? Well, I think that King Solomon summed it up best in Scripture. For we read in Ecclesiastes chapter 12 and verse 13, Solomon writes, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. What is the meaning of life? I think Solomon put it perfectly. Fear God and keep his commandments. That seems pretty simple, right? I mean, is that what life is all about? There has to be more to it than that. There has to be more to life than fear God and keep his commandments. I mean, duh, come on, what, what's going on here? Nope, that's it. I'm sorry if you were looking for some deep philosophical fulfilling message. That's it. What is life all about? Life's all about God. That's what it's about. It's all about God and His glory. All of creation, all that we see, all of it was created for God's glory. And according to his will and pleasure. I'd like for you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 1. Let's all turn together to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians is immediately after Philippians. Colossians chapter 1, and let's look at verse number 9. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will and all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions, or principalities, or powers. All things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. And he is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself... By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Did you notice something about reading that scripture? It's all about God. It's all about God. All that you are, all that you will ever be, you owe it all to him. First Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 10, Paul writes, "But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me." It's all about God. It's not about a career. It's not about cars. It's not about boats it's not about campers it's all about God and life has become polluted it's become corrupted and what we are today is a generation of Christians trying to fulfill and satisfy ourselves and we try to do this with things we try to we try to Make ourselves feel good by accomplishing these things or doing something or, or buying something, and that's not what life is all about. God never created us so that we could go out and get six-figure-a-year jobs. God never created us so that we could buy homes that cost millions of dollars. God never created us so we could stockpile money and, 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 and become wealthy. That's not why we were created. We were created by him for him. It's all about God. It's not about building wealth. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I don't want to... I never try to upset people. I honestly don't. I'm good at it, but I don't ever try I came here to preach this truth this morning that life is all about God and we have been deceived and we have been caught up in the whirlwind that is life and we need to get back to basics You, 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 you parents with children need to get back to teaching your children that life is all about God it's not about having degrees after their name it's all about God that's what it's about it's not about worldly possessions. It's about joy and peace in the home, harmony, love. It's about the family, and it's about, it's about loving God as a family and serving God as a family. This is what we've got to get back to. Look with me at Luke chapter 12. Let's look at verse 15. And he said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, Drink and be merry. But God saith unto him, Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? And then listen to Jesus' words in verse 20 So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. It's not about wealth and possessions, it's not about gaining power and great prestige. In Mark chapter 12, we read, And he said unto them in his doctrine, Beware of the scribes which love to go in long clothing, and love salutations in the marketplaces, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and, and the uppermost rooms at feasts, which devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. No, no, life is not about Wealth and possessions. It's not about gaining power and prestige. It's not about amassing wisdom and intelligence. In Romans chapter 1, we read in verses 21 through 23, Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools." And change the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like the corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. No, no, it's not about all these things. Now, don't get me wrong. I believe that you should labor to provide for your family. I believe you should educate yourself as well as you can be. But life is not about these things. This should not consume our lives. This should not be the focus of everything we do. Life is all about God. How many times during the day do you think about God? Well, I'm kind of busy. I know. I know we are. We all are. That's because we've, as I said, we've been caught up in this whirlwind. The devil's good at what he does. And what he's done is he's masked He's masked life. And, and we perceive life as, as being this complex thing. But life is all about God. That's it. From the time you open your eyes in the morning to the time you close them at night, it's all about God. All these things in the world only serve to glorify the flesh of man. And the things of the world that we need will be provided for us by the Father himself. We need to focus our hearts and our minds on glorifying God with our life. In Matthew chapter 6, very familiar verses. Verses 31 through 33, we read, Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. So we've, we've learned from God's word what life is, and what life is all about. So now the final question this morning is this. Is your life lost, or is it found? Well, to conclude, let's look at these last two phases and we'll be done. Number four on your study sheets, I want to look at the life lost. Now, we read earlier in Matthew chapter 16 in verse 25, Jesus said, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Now, the first thing I need to establish here is that Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He is speaking to saved people. Unregenerate men, the natural life cannot possibly lose what they do not have. Their their life is one that is already lost. So the idea that man can lose his salvation is not the meaning of this passage. However, we must realize that even God's elect children can lose something today. They they can't lose their salvation, but we can lose the fruit of a spirit-filled life. We can lose the love, the joy, the peace, the long-suffering, the gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. We can suffer great loss in this life and at the judgment seat of Christ. Jesus stated, for whosoever will save his life shall lose it. In other words, those desirous of preserving himself from the troubles and the reproaches and the persecutions and even the death that accompany the spiritual life and avoid making the sacrifices and the commitments that accompany a life dedicated to serving Christ and by so doing curries favor with men in order to procure to themselves worldly emollients, honor, peace, pleasure and life. This man will ultimately, in this life, lose the very things he is trying to gain. And he will suffer shame and loss at the judgment seat of Christ as well. This is a life lost. It is a wasted life. It is a life spent in the pursuit of gratifying self rather than seeking to please and glorify God the Father. The life that is lost. But then, lastly this morning, I'd like for us to consider the life found. Again, in Matthew sixteen twenty five, Jesus stated, And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. Now, this is a life that is surrendered to Christ. It is one that says, Not my will but thine be done, O Lord. Allow me to share the words of the Apostle Paul with you in Galatians chapter 2, verses 19 through 21, where he states, For I, through the law, am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness cometh by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. The Apostle Paul said, I died with Christ on the cross. I arose to a new life through Christ and in Christ, and my life is Christ's life. Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're in Luke. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And we're going to read verses 21 through 33. Now here Paul is is speaking about, I'm I'm going to give you a preface, he's boasting, if you will. All these men are boasting about their great works for Christ. And Paul said, I'm going to take a moment and I'm going to tell you about my life for Christ, what I've given, what I have chosen to live, the way I've chosen to live, in order that I might have a life that is found let's look at verse, beginning in verse number 21. I speak as concerning reproach as though we had been weak, howbeit whensoever, whereandsoever any is bold, I speak foolishly. I am bold also. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors, more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons, more frequent, in deaths, oft. Of the Jews, five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck, a night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeyings, often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by mine own countrymen, in perils by the heathen, in perils in the city in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, beside those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is offended and I burn not? If, must, if I must needs glory, I will glory of the things which concern mine infirmities. The God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which is blessed forevermore, knoweth that I lie not. In Damascus, the governor under uh, Aretas, the king, kept the city of the, the Damascenes with a garrison, desirous to apprehend me. And through a window in a basket was I led down by the wall, and escaped his hands. And Paul here talks about all that he suffered and endured. For, for his work of Christ. Jesus said, whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. And Paul is a man who, who lost his earthly life. He, he gave up his earthly life. And this he endured willingly. In Second Timothy chapter 1, we read, Whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Paul knew that God would honor and reward his sacrifice and his commitment of his own life. For he writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love is appearing. Not in this life, Paul said. In this life he would suffer great loss and persecution. But in the eternal life, he says, he knew that all the sufferings of this present time would pale in comparison to the glory that he would share with Christ. For he writes in Romans chapter 8, the Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And today, if we are willing to lose our life, if we're willing to give up our preferences, give up our freedoms, give up our desires, give up our goals, and do this all for the glory of the Father and for his own good pleasure, then we too can share in the hope and confidence of the Apostle Paul this morning. What is life? Life is the natural life, spiritual life, and the eternal life. That's all there is. There is no other life. And what is life all about? It's all about God. And if your life is about anything else, then you have a lost life today. Just imagine for a few moments what could be if we were willing to sacrifice just a fraction of what the Apostle Paul sacrificed in his life. I can only imagine what this church could do in this community if all of us were willing to lose our lives for the sake of Christ. Are you still living in just the natural life? Then I'm sorry. But your life is definitely lost. Are you have you been given the spiritual life as a, a gift of God? Are you living for and preparing for the eternal life? Today, is is your life lost? Because you're trying to keep it for yourself? Or is your life found do you do you really have a truly fulfilling life that's that's what it comes down to because you have given up this life for Christ i'm sorry i didn't i don't have a flowery message today i don't have a feel good message i can't promise you a rose garden we don't take seed offerings. We'll take your money, but but they're not seed offerings. Life is about God. And I'm going to keep saying that until it sinks in. What is life all about? It's all about God. It's about his glory. It's about his will. It's about his purpose. It's not about me. It's not about what I want. It's not amassing wealth. It's not not amassing power. It's not amassing education. Life's about God. Let's pray. Our Father, you are everything. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Life begins with you and it ends in you. Father, we've, we've become deceived in many cases. We've, we've become caught up in the hustle and bustle of life. And Lord, we've really forgotten what life is all about. It's all about you. It's about taking the time to serve you. It's about taking the time to worship you. Taking the time to... Praise your name, taking the time to teach our children about you. Time is taking the time to speak to our neighbors about you. Life is all about you. And Lord, today I can only speak for myself as I stand in this place, but I pray, dear Father, that you would help me to see this so clearly. Every moment of my life, that I would remain focused on you on your glory, on your honor, that I would live my life as a servant of Christ, that I wouldn't become bound up in this world, that I wouldn't, I wouldn't allow my decisions to cause me to become more loyal to a job or, 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 or uh, something such as that than I am to meditating upon your word and preaching the gospel. Help us today, Lord. We need your help. We can do nothing without you. So I pray this morning that you would take this message and that you would speak to our hearts that each of us in our own own way would give up those things in our life that we're holding back from you and that we would learn to live this life in you, through you, and for you. Thank you for this day now. I pray you bless. All that are here, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand.